city. Shut up! Sonny Koufax led a simple life. The delivery guy's like your best friend. Until the day. You refuse to move on to the next phase of your life. She wants different things, you know? His girlfriend dumped him now to win her back. I gotta do something big with my life. He's getting her a little surprise. I want you to meet Julian, my son. Our son, I adopted him. <laughs> Great. Now what? Welcome to Stud City, the podcast for literally wear a diaper? everyone. I'm here with my co-host Cody Peterson, and today on the show we we have a very, very special subject. We're talking about the hit 1999 film Big Daddy, yeah. starring Adam Sandler and one of those motherfuckers from Riverdale, mm-hmm. one of those cute little cute little pieces of ass from Riverdale. <laughs> the sweet life of Zach and Cody. Yeah, Dylan and Cole Sprouse. Do they double team their role on Riverdale as well? No, it's just Cole, I'm pretty sure. And then Dylan, I don't know what he does. I think he just does naked, oiled up wrestling. <laughs> really? <laughs> He's just spending his time doing that? That makes that makes sense, I guess. It's yeah. the logical next step after Disney fame. Yeah, Dylan Sprouse, he's like the ending of uh, Bruno. Have you seen that movie? Of course, love Bruno. Yeah, he's like the ending of Bruno. That's his career. Oh, really? So he goes into these southern towns and he like instigates riots. Yeah, gets oiled up with a man using like homosexual energy. Mm-hmm. It's very positive. That makes total sense. I think it's ultimately it's mind expanding. It's sort of like the gay way of doing shrooms. Yeah, you you come out different on the other side. And you can like connect with the earth. Exactly. I remember the first time I got turned on by a man on man situation. It was definitely similar to my experience with mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your third eye opens. Actually, my third and my fourth eye open. <laughs> and it was your first time on Stud City. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the first time I laid eyes on Cody. <laughs> It was when I saw us on Zoom in gallery mode. I was like, holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) This makes so much sense. I've never seen two men look so appropriate together. Uh, Okay, so we're talking about Big Daddy, which (laughs) is a film that is like near and dear to me and Cody's heart. And I think like the first thing I want to get to know about you and your relationship to Big Daddy, because we kind of we, we got into Big Daddy separately and then we kind of joined forces and we realized hey we both have this love for this adam sandler movie that maybe didn't get enough credit at the time Mm -hmm. but is in my opinion his finest work and we'll get more into that later so how did you come to be a fan of this movie and how did you come to like this movie well just to start uh start off uh for our new listeners because we're going to get hundreds of thousands of new listeners on the topic of big daddy oh yeah bo and i are both screenwriters we met like three or four years ago and whenever we write or talk about movies it always seems to circle back to us talking about Big Daddy and relating plot and characters to Big Daddy and how they did things in that specific movie. And the way I got introduced to it was I was a huge, I was born in 92. So I was born right when Adam Sandler was skyrocketing. And my dad was a Sandler fan. And he got me into like Happy Gilmore really hard, got me into uh, fucking Billy Madison. Waterboy was a huge hit when I was a kid. And then big daddy came out and i saw in theaters and it was just like my brain melted i laughed so hard in theaters i think i was seven when it came out mm. 
So that's how it was for me. And I was just like, man, I didn't know there could be a movie where you can laugh and cry and <laughs> you just be so touched all over. Getting those big daddy hands all it's over the, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying, I'm the big daddy. I'm the big daddy. How about you, man? How was it for uh, you? Was it like DVD rental or VHS um, tape? Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't either of those. Um, I actually don't remember how I was like introduced to the film um, in terms of like how I saw it, but I remember where I saw it for the first time. And I saw it at my grandma's place. And she, my grandma used to take care of me quite a bit. Um, you know, I used to think it was because my parents worked a lot, but I actually don't think that's the case. <laughs> My parents were on benders a lot. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Just to, I don't mean to digress, but during the time of watching Big Daddy a lot, um, I remember my dad used to come to my grandma's place and leave without taking me, like often. And <laughs> I would be like, as a kid, like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I asked many years later, I was in Costa Rica with my father and I asked him, Hey, what was up with that? And he was like, Oh, you didn't know your grandma was like the primo T3 dealer in the whole fucking city. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, You were buying drugs? And he was like, 100%. Yes. <laughs> um, anyways, enough for more on that, go to episode eight, Mighty eight, Morphine. Yes. yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I've already told that story. <laughs> My bad. Anyways, I watched it at her apartment. And I remember, like, you know, at the time I was probably seven or eight. And I remember like feeling a lot of that kindred sort of spirit with the kid um, because, you know, in some ways when you're left with people that aren't your parents, you feel like you're a kid left on the doorstep, just like that kid was, you know? So it was yeah. very easy for me to like relate. And then obviously as I got older, I understood Adam Sandler. I understood Sonny Kovacs even more. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my introduction, but I mean, I've seen that. I've seen Big Daddy probably probably more than any other film. Yeah, it's a good movie, and it's good for like situations, like heart, like just icebreakers. You know, you're just like, like let's say uh, you and you you're at your girl's friend's house, and uh, your girl and her friend fuck off into the kitchen, and you're with there with like some random boyfriend. And you're like, hey, let's just put on Big Daddy. We're gonna enjoy this. It's really or any date movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Like to steal a phrase from, uh, or the even just the title of the Ringer podcast. It is incredibly rewatchable. Mm -hmm. Like you can there, like if it's just on cable, and it like one scene pops up, you're like, oh, I'm fucking in. I'm watching the rest of this goddamn oh, yeah. movie because there's so many funny moments, and you're like waiting for that like your favorite moment or this. Like, I remember, you know, watching the movie and being so, I found it so charming when Adam Sandler uses the little kid to pick up jo Joey Loren. Like, mm -hmm. I, Joey, Joey Loren Adams, I found that shit to be so fucking charming. I was like, that is the most badass move. When I'm older, I'm going to have a kid and I'm going to pick up Joey Loren, you know? Papa, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck, dude. That shit's so funny. Um, so I thought one of the things we would talk about is like Dylan and Cole Sprouse's performance in that movie. Yeah. Um, because they're pretty remarkable little child actors, aren't they? 
they really are um and they've got like honestly it well you know what i'm the same age as them so i feel like i can talk about it but handsome little boys like i'm looking at my background where it's um one of them and they look like fucking like little california surfer kids like kind of destined to be stars you know what i mean 100 percent. yeah no yeah. i agree i mean look i mean i think one of them is still acting and the other one is not acting anymore <laughs> but one thing they had going for for them is like they were fucking cute ass kids dude mm-hmm. like they were a couple of cute ass motherfucking kids like him in this movie he is such a fucking cute ass kid like anything he says like your heart just melts like things that in that uh, that maybe an other child actor this role in the hands of another actor um it could have been incredibly you could have ended up resenting the like like you know he fucking trashes his apartment at some point there's a penalty shot in hockey and he and and uh Cole Sprouse refu- like wants to put on this kangaroo tape and it kind of like fucks his day up. Like it would be really easy just to end up kind of hating the kid, which is the complete opposite of what the movie is supposed oh to be my about. God. That'd be so and- funny if they casted some <laughs> other seven year old and you're watching, like, why the fuck are you spilling the milk, you idiot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was acting at that time. So probably what if I was, they would be like this fucking redheaded fucking piece of shit. I would have been terrible. I wasn't nearly cute enough or charming enough. Yeah, but, um, and you, you ate your twin in the womb too. So I did. <laughs> That's true. I did. I did. I ate that motherfucker. So good. Dude, that motherfucker tasted like, mm, it was like chicken, man. It was like chicken. <laughs> Hook on that, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always wonder what his name would be today. <laughs> yeah but Um, dude this movie fucking rocks so hard it's like honestly out of adam sandler movies top three top three for me it's just unbelievable bursting with heart and laughs oh yeah i mean yeah this was another thing about the film that i think i think big daddy does this and i don't think a lot of his other comedy films do this is that um, Adam Sandler, for the longest time, has kind of worked two careers. You know, he's got the he's got the PTA, he's got the uncut gems, he's got the Spanglish, he's got the more serious indie affairs. Yeah, rain over me, <laughs> rain over me. Yeah, then he's brilliant, got brilliant film, Jack and Jill. <laughs> yeah, and then he's got what he is probably most known for, which is his comedy films. And I think Big Daddy is the only movie that he's made that I wouldn't say is a combination of both because it really is not. Mm -hmm. But it is a different type of film than the rest of his movies. Like the rest of his movies, they definitely um, they definitely carry some of the same traits in terms of like theme and character development. But this movie has its own little tone, in my opinion, its own like like you could make a version of this movie that's like a indie low budget new york type movie you know like you totally yeah. could you could make like a darker version of this movie or not even a darker version like a different version because the the premise of the film is pretty fucked up and like one of the things i love about this movie is they don't shy away from the fact that like his mom is sick like all that shit happening in the background that's some dark shit it's like Mm-hmm. Sonny is put in a situation where he has to pick between 
giving up his life a little bit or this kid goes to foster care, you know, these are really serious decisions and this film tackles them head on. And I don't think you see that in a lot of his movies after this or before this, like a movie. I love Billy Madison. You do not see anything like that in Billy Madison, which is why I put big daddy on a pedestal. Like I put it on a different category or a different level than the rest of his comedy films. Mm -hmm. And like, it's funny because the whole reason why he kept Julian, the boy, is because he initially wanted to just pick up the girl that dumped him. It was like, you're immature. And he's like, oh, really? And then she <laughs> just like goes after this old man. And then he's like, fuck. And he's stuck with this kid. But like it all. He, then he meets um, what's her face? A lawyer. Yeah. And and then like in the end, it's like, you know, he gets what he needs and he admits to it and like he kind of reconciles with his dad after like a really shitty relationship with him i don't know it's just like i don't know it sums it it really wraps up very nicely um but there are some things that i was like thinking about and reading about and i'm like oh yeah that doesn't really hold up that well like it's not 100% perfect after no. 22 years like let's get no. real the hooter stuff yeah I, I wanted I wanted to talk about that as well. It is yeah. like listen, you know me. I'm all for problematic shit, but the <laughs> I, I like things to be problematic and moral. Does that make sense? There's so many slurs that Bo won't let me say on the podcast. He won't let me say the G word, the L word. He won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like. <laughs> You know how I'd be. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I was saying was, was like that the reason that really doesn't hold up is that kind of the moral is like, if a girl breaks up with you, we want really bad things to happen to them. And like, she didn't really do anything besides hook up with a guy who has wrinkly balls. <laughs> and like, he does I, have a five year plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I just didn't think that it, it really, I didn't think that it was deserved at the end what happened to them. Like Sonny getting what he wants is it should have been enough revenge. You know, they could have walked into each other and now he's a lawyer and he's got this great nephew and a family. Maybe that could have been the scene, but making her like go regress back to like the worst version of herself, it I just it didn't work in the film. It doesn't work in the film. It's mean spirited. It's so weird how much they talk about Hooters because it's like Oh, she's a Hooters girl. Gross. And then, um, like, making fun of them. Like, Hooters, Hooters, Hooters. And then, like, Julian's mom was a Hooters girl. And they're like, oh, she was a Hooters girl. And then at the very end, what you're talking about, Adam Sandler has his birthday at a Hooters bar. And they're like, yeah. And then his ex is, like, a Hooters waitress. And her boyfriend's, like, a line cook at Hooters. And it's like, wait, do we like Hooters in this? Or is it just all a fucking punchline? Like, I don't understand. Are we yeah, celebrating it, it or? Yeah, it's not the most evolved take, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It feels like of the time, though. It really feels of the time. Like, like you kind of have to forgive it a little bit because of that. Yeah, they love novelty restaurants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the fact that they're at a Hooters in New York, it's like there's <laughs> fucking, like 
25 beautiful bars in New York, probably in his one mile radius. <laughs> Literally could have gone to Red Lobster. He's a lawyer now. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. One other restaurant that, okay, so I was reading that New York Times article that you sent me, and they mentioned, and I completely forgot about this, but there's a lot of product placement in it, which doesn't really beat you over the head like newer Adam Sandler movies do. No. But there is a big chunk about McDonald's and McDonald's breakfast. I remember that being like a big like topic to talk about was like after this movie, people were like, yeah, they got to rethink the hours of McDonald's breakfast. 100%. And, and at 1030, it's got to be all fucking day. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. There, There is a lot of product placement in this movie, but unlike a movie like Jack and Jill, which is basically a big ad, um, I really do feel like they do a pretty good job of like interweaving it in the movie. It never mm. put me off. Also, like the McDonald's thing. Yeah, there's like a eight minute sequence in the film that is about getting McDonald's. That is true. But, you know, the story progresses during that time. You learn a little bit about uh, you learn a little bit about Cole Sprouse. You learn a little bit about Sonny Kovacs, Adam Sandler's character. You meet the home. You meet Steve Buscemi, the homeless guy. Um, and there's some really funny shit in that sequence too. You know, when he freaks out at the McDonald's, like it doesn't make the McDonald's look that good. Can we get this get a happy meal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Okay. One, have you had the McDonald's all day breakfast lately? Uh, <laughs> cause I yeah. have an issue with it. What, you what? ready for this? You know, so McGriddles. You get, you, no, you can get an egg, egg McMuffin or a McGriddle whenever you want. Agreed. But you can't get a hash brown to give you small fries. What's up with that? Oh, you know what you're doing? What? I think you're ordering the meals. Well, I want a hash brown. <laughs> I Bo. think you can order the hash brown separately. Oh, okay. I well, could be tripping, but I'm pretty sure I've done that before. No, sound, off in the sound off in the comments, folks. Can you yeah, let order me a I'm hash wrong. brown? I think I'm order? wrong. I think I'm wrong. I think they just like fucking get lazy. Yeah. <laughs> fucking lazy assholes i mean that's that's the rumor about the milkshake machine at mcdonald's why it's always broken mm, yeah that is just like kind of hard to make a milkshake so like, fuck that shit man they just say it's broken yeah pour you a fountain pot make 900 on the on the syrup on what the syrup costs yep 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 um i had a question about a note that you wrote um yeah so you wrote, uh, Sonny Koufax inspired the on-screen slacker of to come Judd Apatow movies. Is there a relation to that, or is that uh, a theory? <clears throat> well, I mean, I don't know if there is a real relationship. Judd Apatow was a producer on this movie, on Big Daddy. Um, I mean, um, so I don't know if there is a direct line there, but li listen, there have been lots of archetypes of the slacker yeah. growing up a little bit like even back to stripes and shit like that but this particular tone with the heart and the heartwarmingness and like mm -hmm. you know and kind of sacrificing a little bit of yourself for somebody else i really do feel like judd's movies maybe subconsciously maybe uh it would have happened anyways sure right. but you can see the direct line there right like knocked up and big daddy are not that different of movies mm -hmm. like yep. they really are not that different of movies um it's about somebody learning to fucking grow up you know yeah. and uh, the certain art like the 
I think Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen in general have more in common than people. Like they really have that slacker archetype kind of down. Yeah. Perfectly. Um, even though the tone of their comedies are very different. Adam Sandler's more absurdist, more crazy. And Seth Rogen is more based in today and reality. So yeah, no, I do see that direct line. Yeah, I can see that too. And if people don't know, Adam Sandler and Chad Uptow used to be roommates. Yes. Roommates back in the day. Yeah. And I guess the only other movie that they've done together is Funny People. Yeah. I think Judd was a producer, or maybe a ghostwriter on Happy Gilmore, because mm. I saw a tweet of his a while ago, maybe like 10 years ago, where he was like, Yeah, I remember working on Happy Gilmore and running around the Stanley Park seawall for my morning jogs and then going to get pizza after that makes sense that, that makes sense. sense yeah looking I mean, at him that makes sense judd would uh tweet some stupid <laughs> shit like that one <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> um some people weren't made for twitter um <laughs> us <laughs> yeah us. good point good point okay so I want to talk a little bit about like Adam Sandler's run during that time because it really is a legendary running comedy. Fuck yeah. So this is these are the movies he made back to back to back to back. This is the four movie run he had in the 90s. These are these were all made in like a 3 4 year per- period. Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Waterboy, Big Daddy. Has Whoa, you're leaving out little Nikki off the list? Why? Well, little Nikki <laughs> happened way after these four movies that happened in the 90s. Oh, okay. Little Nikki was in the 2000s. I was just cataloging like the the, the the stamp he made with those four movies back to back to back to back mm-hmm. is like fucking incredible. You like I don't I, don't, I think the like once again going back like I mean in that small of a time frame, I really feel like it's Seth Rogen, right? With yeah. knocked up or a 40 year old virgin knocked up pineapple express. Super bad. Super bad. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Huh? Like that, that is an incredible fucking run of movies. And I think the only person that has done it better is probably Seth Rogen in that short amount of, amount of time. Right. Yeah um i'm sure like maybe like mel brooks if we really looked at it but hey that's before our time we're not dinosaurs for sure for sure (laughs) i don't even know who the fuck that is to be honest (laughs) 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 um but i mean that is such a fucking incredible run um and i think only rivaled by seth's run which i do actually hold in higher regard like super bad is probably the greatest film ever made so you can't really it's hard to fucking fuck. We'll we'll do a podcast on Superbad at some point. Um, it's hard to really fuck with Seth Rogen's run, but fuck, man. So now that we've established that this run is... Wait, you know what's different, man? What? Is that Adam Sandler's run is PG-13 and Seth Rogen's run is R, which True. is like, like, I, like comedy-wise, as an adult, you can say like what, what you prefer, but as a kid, man... Adam Sandler is a bit more accessible. 100%. No, that's a fucking good point, dude. I hadn't even thought about that. 100%. 100%. There is something. They are kind of kids' movies, Mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah, no, that's so true, man. So I guess when you're thinking about Adam Sandler, when you're comparing those two careers of two people that basically have played themselves in every movie. I mean, Adam Sandler has characters, but they're versions of himself kind of. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. You really do have to give it up for Adam Sandler that he was able to fucking make four classics back to back to back to back to back Mm -hmm. um, under the guise of like only being allowed to say one fuck, especially back then, man, the FCC would fucking like tear your house down. If you fucked around, they're crazy, dude. Um, okay, yeah. so what I wanted to say was, so I'm going to don't look at the notes, okay? Promise you're not looking at the notes. I'm turning off my iPad. Flex, yeah. flex. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to tell you the movie, and I want you to guess the Rotten Tomato score. Oh, okay. Okay, so we'll start with Billy Madison. Billy Madison Rotten Tomato score forty two. You got it right on. You saw them. Damn it. I'm sorry, dude. I saw them earlier. I was you looking must, at the notes. It's not your fault. I should have told you not to look can at I them. Try and, try, can I try and ring them off the off the top of the dome? Yeah, yeah. Try and ring them off the top of the dome. Uh, Big Daddy, 36. No. Happy Gilmore, 32. No. Okay. How? What were they? Okay. So Happy Gilmore got a 61%, which Good. I'll tell you... Yes, exactly. It deserves much higher, but yeah, whatever. We'll let that slide. These motherfuckers don't know golf. Exactly. <laughs> Little motherfuckers or hockey. Um, Waterboy got 34% and Big Daddy got 39%. That's insane to me, honestly. That's fucking insane. I don't get uh, why people hated it so much. Was it just the critics at the time? Well, Listen, the I don't I think it would get a higher rating today with a different star. Um that being said, at the time, you, you got to understand movie criticism switch uh, like a lot of things in journalism switched from being a chosen profession that you had to be touched or go to school or whatever to be <laughs> to be chosen, right? Touch my angel. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Touch my angel. So a lot of film criticism that was read widely was Mm -hmm. done by old men old white men specifically so you know when you have 12 hooters jokes in your movie you could see how they would be a little bit against that um i mean roger ebert gave the film one and a half out of four stars and described the main character (laughs) sonny kovacs as seriously disturbed (laughs) and the story as predictable Although he did praise Joey Loren Adams' character as somewhat em- entertaining. So, like, what's that noise? Are you banging on a piano? No, I hit Play the us a tune. I hit the mic stand. Dude, oh. if I do it, it's just going to ring for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I think it, like, I think back then, lowbrow comedies, especially done by 20 somethings, early 30 somethings, um, they didn't get the fair shake that they deserved almost ever. And I think a huge part of that is because film criticism at the time was monopolized by a certain demographic of people. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do I think there's a place for old white men to be reviewing movies today? Yes, of course, of course. But they need to be made pre-1984. 
Everybody knows that. No, I'm just kidding. I think old white men and all the unvaccinated people should be sent to an island. Yeah, or like some sort of camp. Some sort of fun camp where they can readjust their brains. <laughs> By a uh, machete. Yes. Uh, you know what? Um, something I really like about Big Daddy, and I think for the time was a bit daring, because considering the kind of comedy movies that were coming out and even coming out after wouldn't even do this is the gay representation in the film like the two is two best friends in it are like homosexuals and like in love with each other and i think we might see them kissing in the movie oh yeah you 100 see them kissing because yeah. they look over and they're like fucking making out remember yeah and the guy's like fuck remember when they were just friends and then yeah, and then Adam Sandler's like, so what, man? They're in love. I thought like that was really cool and progressive for the time. Like, I think the only other gay representation I saw at the time was like maybe Ross's wife, ex-wife and friends, and her like lesbian relationship. So, like, kind of like mad props to Big Daddy for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also that's something that he took forward in his career that sort of gay representation with a movie like i now pronounce pronounce you chuck and larry which i have always maintained is the most homophobic movie about why homophobia is bad ever made (laughs) it is it is fucking remarkable how homophobic that movie is (laughs) when it is literally about why homophobia is bad it is (laughs) mind-blowing (laughs) <laughs> it is absolutely mind-blowing <laughs> dude we gotta do it we gotta do a fucking pot on uh i now pronounce you chuck and larry that'd be fantastic it's funny i was talking earlier about how i saw big daddy in theaters i saw i now pronounce you chuck and larry in a drive-in theater what double no, I was with my family. I ain't getting handy. But it was a double feature with Born Ultimatum of all movies. Oh my god, what did you like more? Uh, I guess Born Ultimatum only because it really ended on like a dope Moby song. I was like, ooh. Oh. That's interesting. Ooh, ooh, sick. Um, One really cool thing that I saw while I was looking up Big Daddy shit. Yeah. The soundtrack has a limp biscuit song no i'm pretty sure it's in the scene where they're fucking with the rollerbladers but it's just like this by blink by limp biscuit dude that's insane wow who would have thought we picked two seemingly completely unrelated topics only to find out that they are related it all comes back man it all yeah, comes like, back to big daddy this reminds me of the time i lost my virginity you know you find out that you're related <laughs> <laughs> do tell please <laughs> well, <laughs> i thought you were my second cousin turns out no i'm just kidding um never had sex with uh, anybody in my family um thought about it thought about it a lot but never acted on it you know um they wouldn't let me uh just kidding uh i don't know where i'm going with this bit but it's disturbing me um John Stewart. <laughs> wow. John Stewart. Let's incredible. John Stewart. Probably his best acting performance ever. 100%. I kind of wish you would do it more. Me too. He plays a great straight man, right? 
but you oh, can yeah. tell this isn't what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So John Stewart is in the movie. He plays Sonny Kovacs, best friend. And he is also the father to the child. But anyways, if you're watching this, we assume you've seen Big Daddy. So I don't want to fucking explain every little fucking thing to you people. All right. He went to China. Get over it. Yeah, he went to fucking <laughs> China. All right. He didn't even know he had a kid. He thought he conceived her in Chicago. But it turns out that he conceived him in Toronto. Okay? Buffalo. Or Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Buffalo. Fuck. My bad. Just listen to me anyways john stewart is in this movie and he does have chops i mean we don't have a lot to compare it to but it's better than his have you ever seen a dollar bill on weed performance in half-baked i don't know i can't remember you don't remember that i might have been half-baked when i watched (laughs) (laughs) half-baked i have a feeling you were at least three quarters my friend (laughs) off that damn cookie dough ice cream off that Kush, baby. Good Kush. <laughs> yeah, is that good shit, dog? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I guess, I don't know. This movie was, I guess this was one of his first acting roles. And he, he does a really serviceable job. But you can tell this isn't what he's supposed to be doing. And it really is far from the character he played on The Daily Show, if you can even consider that a character. Um, but it, it is cool to see him in it isn't it yeah oh absolutely and i think he's very charming like at the end when they're like discussing uh shoelaces and he gave uh julian some firecrackers he got in china um and he's like kind of sweet and sensitive and i think even with like the girls in the story like when um sunny interrupts the surprise birthday party like fucking uh john seward's like the sweet sensitive guy that you'd kind of want as a boyfriend if you were a chick or whatever. You know what I mean? 100%. I think the main thing that he succeeds at with that character is that like at the end of the film, you don't mind the kid being given up to him. Hell no. Because you know, it in, in the movie, you do want the kid to end up with Sonny. Um, You do want that. But when it's, when he goes back to his rightful father, there is a little bit of like, okay, that's going to be okay, you know, and it and it comes back to what we've talked about. some not so many times, but uh, we have what to we talk about, about every the podcast, but about like at the end of your film, you, you what you what you're aiming for, in my opinion, in a good ending is your protagonist doesn't get what they want, but they get something different that is just as good what they needed what they needed exactly always get what you want you know what yeah sorry and i was gonna say and this movie does that perfectly hell yeah you know i had just seen stepbrothers the other night and they don't do it perfectly they really fucking fuck it up and the the answer to the question of the ending question of that movie was probably incredibly hard i figured it out Mm -hmm. i know how that movie should have ended but i understand that you know these guys probably a little less talented than me, the guys who were up Step Brothers. So I understand that they struggled a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, I sort of work for the guys that wrote Step Brothers, so let's tread lightly. But I did work <laughs> for one of the guys that wrote. Cody, I want to make it clear I was being sarcastic. I was joking around. <laughs> I, okay, but I do want to talk about how I work for Steve Franks. And Steve Franks um, it was the showrunner of the show Psych, which I worked on as a PA. Um, one of the funniest shows I ever worked on, let's be honest. And he wrote 
Big Daddy was his first script, and it was originally called like Guy Gets Kid. Um, and then uh Adam Sandler and some other writer like rewrote the shit out of it. But fuck, like Steve Franks is such a nice dude, and like I could see where he was kind of coming from with this, like a, a lot of heart. Steve Franks is sort of like me, talented, funny, sensitive writer, and very tall. He dwarfs me. Shout out Steve Franks. He dwarfs you. Dude, he's tall as fuck. He's six seven. The fuck? How tall are you? Six, six and a half. <laughs> you are, right? Somewhere around there, like six five. Yeah, I thought so. When I when we hung out the other day, I was like stunned at how fucking tall you were. <laughs> this looks us hanging out just looks weird. We're better over the computer, to be honest. It's a very Laurel and Hardy situation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about when talking about Big Daddy is that it was also when I was first getting into screenwriting, an incredibly validating movie because I would defend this movie with all my heart because people don't fuck with Big Daddy at all, um, even though it's great. Um, and one of the things that validated my love of Big Daddy was that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson said on a podcast, I forget which one, that it's his favorite Adam Sandler movie and one of his favorite movies of all time. And I remember being like, "He fuck if Paul Thomas Anderson gets it, and I am on the right track as to how I'm evaluating and coming up with uh, what I think about certain films. If he understands why it's so special, then God knows I'm doing the right things in life. Isn't that nice? You know, one of the biggest, like, people just fucking do a jizz fest for PTA movies. And he's just like, yeah, I like just a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson is an incredible director and probably squeezed the best performance out of Adam Sandler in his, in his career out of him. But, um, um, yeah, it, I mean, it always feels good to get validated by somebody you respect. That yeah. is for motherfucking sure. You know um, what I'm saying? Yeah, hell yeah. You know what? Okay. I think I might get my numbers wrong on this, but the budget for Big Daddy was like 34 million and it grossed at the box office 234 million, which is like insane for a comedy. Dude, it's absolutely insane. And like, I I think because it kind of retro retroactively kind of got buried by Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. That Big Daddy is sort of, even though it was incredibly successful at the box office, I feel like Big Daddy is like this forgotten gem in the Rolodex of Adam Sandler movies that are out there. Yeah. And maybe it does because the poster of it smells like piss. You know what I mean? You kind of look at the poster, you're like, that smells like piss. (laughs) Yeah, there (laughs) is a lot of piss going on in the in the in the poster. Yeah. That is 100 percent for sure. Yeah. Um, So uh, you just mentioned the budget of the film. The budget of the film was much less um, originally. But when Waterboy came out, it was a huge success. They were filming Big Daddy and um, Sony like sent a memo to them and was like, fucking spend. Like they were just like, they just letting, just letting them know, like you guys give, we're giving you more money, bigger budget for this movie. That's so sick. Did it need a bigger budget? And you know me, I'm always the guy that wants everything to be low budget, (laughs) but um, probably not. 
it probably would have been very much the same film but well it maybe probably we- helped like with post-production like look at all the music you got cheryl crow doing a guns and roses cover yeah you got limp biscuit <laughs> you got limp biscuit you know and in 1999 that was a big deal but supposedly what the budget did do and maybe this is a total counterpoint as to what I was just saying is that they allowed the smaller characters in the film to be played by bigger actors. So Rob Schneider and Steve Buscemi were brought in when the budget was increased. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong because those two actors were pretty important. They're pretty good, which I think brings us to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was Rob Schneider's performance in this fucking movie. And perhaps what we could do is we can even see if we can find a clip on YouTube and we can watch that because it is out there. Um, him trying to spell hippopotamus is one of my favorite bits. Oh, 100%. Are you bringing it up right now? Yeah, I'm looking for it. Um, yeah. Also, what, what nationality is he supposed to be? Um, I don't know. They're kind of vague with the restaurant he works at. Um, but they are best friends. Yeah. Shit. Um, and they're best friends in real life, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Could you imagine if um freaking uh what's his face? Chris Farley was still alive, he would have been crazy. He would have gone off on this movie. If he played Rob Schneider's character, he actually would have been pretty sweet. He would have been pretty sweet. Electricity. Very good. Constitution. That's it. Philadelphia. Oh, it's not spelling. Smart. It's learning yeah. how to read. Yeah. Fish? Yeah. Pony? Yes. Hip? Hip hop? Hip hop anonymous? Damn you! You get him the easy ones! <laughs> Is he supposed to be Italian? I think maybe Middle Eastern. I don't know. Dude, it is so weird. Fucking Rob Schneider has a unique ability to have a super racist character, but you have no clue who they're being racist towards. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> do you have like an Asian grandma? Like, can you say this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Rob Schneider is technically Asian, but like, that doesn't mean, I mean, whatever. It doesn't really matter, but like, um, that it's a really crazy performance like it's pretty out there Mm -hmm. i still don't know what ethnicity is supposed to be maybe we could look it up um i'll look it up right now who's rob schneider his name is what rob schneider big daddy his name is what rob his name is who rob chicka chicka schneider um Um, making copies um one thing uh so i was talking about like the box office gross that big daddy got one thing that's pretty crazy is that it was the seventh highest grossing film in 1999 and 1999 is probably like the most banging ass year for film just absolute bangers everywhere action you got fucking matrix drama you got american beauty just like so many good movies and then big daddy it's in there exactly and maybe that is back to our point of it being a bit of a forgotten gem is that 1999 was just such a banger year for movies mm-hmm. like every movie that came out that year was like the biggest fucking movie ever jesus yeah. christ remember the first time you watched titanic oh yeah remember when jack pretended to know how to draw so he could see some titties yeah he faked that 
Yeah. You just drew in his notebook ahead of time or stole that notebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. He traced it. What's your okay? It's so funny. I and this is not a big dad or a yeah, yeah, whatever podcast, but it's so funny as I get older because I just skip the halfway through Titanic and I just watch everybody get fucked up. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Water. That's such yeah. a guy thing. Dude, you have to, man. You the 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 point of the movie was like the girls go to it for the for the for the kissing and the shit. Romance. And then the boys go to it to see some motherfuckers drown to death. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I was liking about that fucking movie, that's for sure. Oh fucking right. Yo, so was there space on that uh that door that they were that piece of wood that they were no nah. space? Nah, you I agree. That both died. Yeah. And you know what? Leo was just in that moment in his life where he was packing on the pounds a little bit. Couldn't have that on there. <laughs> Dude, Leo in Titanic, fat fuck. No. <laughs> he looks like I a think damn, he's actually, yeah. damn sea lion out there. Yeah, no, I think he was actually pretty far away from that. Um, but uh, that's one of the things I love about Leo is that sometimes he'll just show up to him and be like looking a little schlubby, which is nice. Nice of mm-hmm. him to do. It makes us feel good. Yeah, but, thanks for looking regular. Yeah, thanks for looking regular, Leo. Um. And uh, thanks for making love to making it socially acceptable to make love to nineteen-year-old women. <laughs> uh, not that I care, yeah. <laughs> right, Bo? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh my god! Exactly. Um, you know what's crazy about uh, Big Daddy? Yes, is the accolades of it because it's funny that it was nominated for a shit ton of Razzie awards. Okay, okay, can I guess how many that they were nominated for? Uh, yes, six Razzies. Um, yeah, that sounds right. I can't open up the <laughs> link right now. Dude. It's not. It's not coming up. <laughs> uh, but it was like, oh my god, fucking iPad makes everything so worse. So you mm-hmm. said six. Mm-hmm. It is five. Oh, really? Five nominations, and it won for worst actor for Adam Sandler. But like Adam Sandler won a bunch for like Kids Choice Awards for this and Teen Choice Awards. One, yeah, totally. Oh, and it got three nominations from Stinker's Bad Movie Awards for <laughs> most painfully unfunny comedy. Worst screenplay for a film grossing over a hundred million, and worst performance by a child. <laughs> That's hilarious. I always wanted to. Uh, I always wanted to make a, an award show for like TV or or uh, movies, and it's not for the worst movies. It's not for the best movies, but it's for the most disappointing and mediocre films. <laughs> and I wanted to call it the semis. Nice, <laughs> just barely. <laughs> Yeah, I just barely made it, bro. You're the semis, dude. <laughs> uh, so I guess what I think, like what I want to kind of talk about, just closing up here a little bit, um, is why this movie. This movie makes me incredibly emotional, and so I was wondering. And I think you kind it kind of has the same effect on you. What makes the movie so effective? In your opinion, that's a good question, Bo. I think what makes it effective is they are so funny. 
<laughs> they are funny. What makes it effective for you? I think what makes it most effective is that um, Riverdale kid and Adam Sandler have like incredible fucking chemistry. Yeah. Like you can tell Adam Sandler is good with kids and like that they really liked each other and that they got along and that like they were friends off the set. And so to see and you see them have so much fun together. That's something the movie does so well. It's like you see them hanging out, you see them having fun. And like like by the end of it, you're not just in love with them individually, you're in love with the idea that they're gonna be together. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what I really like about the film. The only thing that I, the the things that I would change are all like of their time, like yeah. all the Hooters jokes and shit like that. But one of the other things that I would maybe change about the movie is I didn't think the movie needed a love interest because it is already a love story. You know, mm-hmm. it's about I mean, it's about somebody who fucking loves their kid. There's no greater love story. There's no greater love than somebody who loves their kid. Yeah. And so I didn't think that, I mean, I like her performance in it, but I didn't think it needed to be in there. Yeah. And it, yeah. Kind of like learns how to manage a relationship because he was kind of like dog shit boyfriend. And that's it's just true. like, it's just an example of a character arc. Totally. Um, but that definitely was of the time. It's like, Ooh, the guy has to get the girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they would play it differently now. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But I, yeah. What I would change, Rob Schneider did blackface. Did he? I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I don't know. He might have actually in this yeah. movie. Kind of looks like, like the type. it. He seems Wait, like the type. Rob Schneider's character is named Nazo, which is spelled like Nazi, but with an O at the end. Really? Yeah. Rob Schneider is black. <laughs> Rob Schneider is a Nazo. <laughs> Rob Schneider is a Nazi. Oh, <laughs> uh, but man, this fucking movie rocks so yeah, hard. dude. There's it, so many good fucking moments in it. Yeah. And it's a you know, a movie like like girls like too. You know, it's not like you can just rip on fucking uncut gems and have everybody on board with it. Why do people not like uncut gems? Now it's stressful, man. Only us freaks like uncut gems. <laughs> I like uncut gems. It is stressful, but it's a good good flick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do enjoy it. It has its place, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, um, um how are we feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm maybe I might need to take a bath, uh, scoop of Steve style. I'm getting a little sweaty up in this hot ass studio. Should we end it? We got like 10 more minutes, maybe. We started a little late. Um, Hey, you know what's a really good line? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, ooh, this yoo-hoo is good. You know it's as good? Smoking dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. really obsessed over that. When he's trying to teach the kids about like not doing drugs and stuff. Yeah. Love you know, that. What was that about Rumpelstiltskin? <laughs> I don't even remember. Yeah. That that shit is awesome though. I mean, some of the me- memorable scenes, like, I mean, if you don't cry during the "I wipe my own ass" scene, you, it's cr- come on, come yeah. on. Kid pisses the bed. He puts some newspaper on the bed. Oh my god! All Get that shit is there. all that shit is so good. Yeah, throws newspaper. 
newspaper on it. I love the scene where, which contradicts what I said about the love interest, where Joey Loren Adams and Adam Sandler put him to bed mm-hmm. and they're telling him a story, but they're also commenting on their situation. Yeah. That scene is so fucking deep because like, oh man, it's such good screenwriting. Like they're putting him to bed and they're telling each other kind of where they're at in their lives without yeah. this kid ever knowing once. It's such a good scene that like demonstrates what it feels like to be a kid and what it what the difference between being a kid and an adult is. And mm-hmm. then also, you know, explains to the audience why they're not working out as a couple right now. Yeah. Dolly, isn't this story about like bunnies or something? Yeah. And then at, at some point she's like, she's like, but this little bunny has a really busy life and a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, hey, listeners of this, go try and get a lawyer girl GF. Yeah. Just be single dad. I love how his plan is like, my girlfriend makes lots of money. Like when they're like, How are you gonna pay for this kid? It's like, dude, yeah. met like three weeks ago, bro. Oh, also, that's a really, I love a convenient plot line about, yeah. it's not like he's fostering the kid that he needs money or anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, who would write him like movie or TV show about that? That'd be yeah, super, super fucking stupid. stupid. Yeah. That would never happen. No. But like his whole thing is that he also works at a toll booth. He's a lawyer, but he works at a toll booth just to fucking for whatever money. But like, he had a large settlement, but then he used the money in the stock market or something, and he's just living off that. Yeah, so, and he lives in like a fucking twelve hundred foot square foot fucking apartment. It's like go go, go like no roommates. I, that apartment, even in nineteen ninety nine, would be so fucking expensive in New York. He's got um, neon lights. Uh, yeah, dude, he's got a baller fucking apartment. Like. Yep. Try and not get pussy with that apartment. It's going to be literally impossible. It is funny. We're comparing this movie with Knocked Up. And that's how Ben Stone, um, Seth Rogen's character, is. He's like, yeah, I got ran over by a Canada Post truck on my foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's that great scene when him and Catherine Heigl are having uh, dinner. And he's like, uh, he's <laughs> like, you know, I've got like 900 bucks left. So I think I'm good for like. At least eleven months <laughs> in LA. In LA. <laughs> uh, fucking yeah, we got to do one on Knocked Up. That'd be sick. I would be so down. I used to have that movie in my iPod. Remember when you could do that? Mm-hmm. And uh, some kids in my youth group took it and skipped to a sex scene. And I'm like, you're fucking weird. Yeah, the pregnant sex scene. The pregnant the- sex scene. Yeah, weird, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean. they should have just done doggy yeah yeah you know i was thinking about the other day you want to hear what a dog i was in my early 20s Mm -hmm. one time when i was a kid i saw um joey from friends whatever the fuck his name is matt leblanc on a talk show yeah and he said his wife was pregnant and in the audience and he said to the host of the talk show, they like were like, and your wife is pregnant and she's here, and you know, everybody clapped or whatever. And he said, uh I wish to me, was dead. No, no, no. She <laughs> he said to me, there's nothing, nothing in this world more beautiful than a pregnant woman. And like the audience melted, and like mm-hmm. the host melted. And I've literally I said that on every first date for like 
six years, dude. Really? How, wait, <laughs> yeah, how do girls it take it? Because I feel like that's kind of a guy thing when your girl becomes pregnant. You're like, oh, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll just be like, it's not like a like I make it like a very sweet sentiment, you know, mm-hmm. like like I'm not ready to have kids, but like, I'll, you know, I'll, you know, I'll I'll say something like that. Yeah, but that I, I, I'm actually like super freaked out by pregnant women. their mood swings man (laughs) yeah i actually don't i like don't like literally do not find them beautiful at all they freak me out and i'm always afraid i'm gonna hurt them or they're gonna fall downstairs or something they like give like literally give me anxiety i don't like being in the same room as a pregnant person (laughs) (laughs) is that fucked up it's like you think aliens gonna bust out (laughs) 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 Uh, dude that would be sick if that's how women gave birth <laughs> it's funny you say that about first dates because i was like thinking about it and like i remember um because i used to do like a ton of online dating before i met barb and i th- i think like there's a f- uh, a switch in my brain where i was like oh it's easier if i just tell girls this if i just tell them i play basketball that used to work so mm. well for me not that i play basketball a ton but it's just like oh i'm tall and i'm using my height <laughs> for whatever reason it just like worked <laughs> yeah it's like uh what do you do it's like oh, i spend a lot of time opening up peanut butter jars <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of time watching simpsons and eating cookies <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> love the simpsons man yeah um yeah dude fuck man yeah dating is rough you know what else is rough being in an ldr bro tell the kids it's not actually that rough it's actually been really easy and fun but to a, a normal person i think it would be rough mm-hmm. but it's like you know if it's pandemic time it's like everybody's sort of doing it it's like we are kind of having an ldr and we're in the fucking same town that's true but <laughs> never see each other yeah, yeah that's true that's true but we don't have sex no so there's no reason for me to see you've you tried <laughs> well i get a, i get a little handsy you know the the green knight was really boring when we went to go see it let's just fuck dude <laughs> shut up <laughs> come on man i just want to get some asshole the green knight sucks don't see it yeah Honestly, the green knight does really suck it it sucks dude big daddy makes the green light look like fucking Catwoman starring halle berry it's <laughs> like big daddy is so much better than the green knight it's unbelievable i mean big daddy is one thing going for it above the green knight which is that it's watchable <laughs> and rewatchable uh yeah. but yeah we love big daddy we, we hope do. to see a theater re-release of it um would there ever be a big daddy too could that mm. happen where cole sprouse has grown up yeah cole sprouse um killed a pregnant woman and cut her open and took the baby out and now he's big daddy would you watch that this is so gross why would he do that because he's not dylan sprouse okay so cole sprouse it's got like a best friend his name's archie okay (laughs) and he also has two other friends their names veronica and betty okay um and his name's jughead and then a kid shows up on their door and they got to figure out how to get them back to Riverdale. Mm. Yo, I got a Riverdale question for you. 
Okay. Are you caught up on Riverdale? No. Because apparently, I don't know what's going on with that show, but I saw one of those memes where it's like my fall plans and Delta variant and Netflix put this out and it's like my fall plans and it's a picture of Archie and it's like Delta variant. (laughs) It's a grizzly bear. And I'm like, what the fuck happened in Riverdale? Dude. Yeah. That show, that, (laughs) that show Riverdale has the most, uh, it is the fastest recorded instance of jumping the shark in the history of television. It jumped the shark. It was like eight episodes in and all of a sudden they were like, you know what? Fuck it. Ghosts or some shit like that. It was like mm-hmm. ridiculous how quickly they jumped the shark. Dude, I had a, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Yeah, whatever. I had a meeting with the guys that did Riverdale and I, th- I told them I was a fan of the show and I don't know why, dude, I have this really bad habit where I think people give a shit about my opinion. Uh, hence why I started Uh-oh. the podcast. And I was like, but you know what? I think in the next season, you guys should like lean a little bit heavier on the on the high school stuff. Because part of the thing that works is like the duality between their lives outside of school and in school. And if you lean a little bit heavier on that, I think you would find some really interesting stuff. And, and there was CW like a long- told them the opposite. Dude, and there was like a long pause, and they're like, "We're actually doing the complete opposite of that. We're like moving <laughs> away from all the teenage stuff, all the high school stuff. We're trying to get them out of the school as quickly as possible." And I was like, "Oh, that's fucked up." And then I think, I think they just graduated high school this season. Hmm. So what the fuck? Hmm. Clearly, they didn't know. But yeah, they were really offended, and they literally—it like, was one of the worst meetings ever. Not their fault. My fault entirely i'll tell you what steve franks told me what he's like yo i asked him because i cornered him at oh, i cornered him at a um, rap party and i was like yo man i got a pitch coming up what do i do and he gave me some advice on pitching which if you give me 50 dollars, i'll tell you what he said but yeah. one of the things he said is like i love it when people give me compliments on my shit even if i know it's total bullshit you know, it's like I can tell that you haven't seen it, but since you're saying it to me, I like it. If that makes sense. For sure, for sure. Yeah. You definitely want to open up with a compliment, not a criticism. Yeah, I'll, for sure. I'll take that into my next pitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, one little thing I want to point out, but my background, I know nobody can see this, but you see that car, the Ford Explorer? Yeah. I used to have the exact same one in high school. Really? That's a serial killer car. No, it's not. Yeah, same, it is. Same color. Too. Dude, it literally you could fit a body in there perfectly. It's one made time, to fit bodies in there. My sister and I were driving one time and we found a Christmas tree on the side of the road and we just scooped it up and put it in the car. Yeah, the Nazis developed that car to transfer bodies. Well, okay. American Nazis, it's a Ford. That, that's a given. Yeah, I mean, Amer- I meant like Tiki Torch Nazis, not Hell Hitler Nazis. You know what I mean? Mm, yep. Uh, anyways, I give. I meant like I meant like podcast host Nazis, not like you know 1942 Nazis. Who's the biggest podcast Nazi that you are a fan of? Um, I don't really know if any podcast hosts I know of are Nazis, but I will answer the question, and it's the uh, caller daddy girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good answer. Yeah, she's definitely a Nazi. You can tell. 
<laughs> Dude, that show's so fucking wild, man. Yeah, it's just about sucking dick or something. Yeah, it's just like I flew to Paris alone and sucked some dick. <laughs> <laughs> I flew to Paris alone. <laughs> oh i am jealous of her success good god bless her one more one more thing that's genius of big guy before we leave yes the title oh what a good name for a movie big daddy yeah yeah and it was inspiration as to what i get my girlfriends to call me during sex ever since (laughs) no i'm just joking (laughs) they don't need you don't need to tell them they they know it yeah I give Big Daddy energy. I, yeah. Well, you give Big Daddy energy. I give Little Nicky energy. You do. <laughs> All right. That's All it. right. This is the podcast, guys. We talked about Big Daddy for an hour. Be happy with us. Love us. Uh, Cody, where can people follow you? At Stud City Podcast. Follow me there. It needs the help. Yes. And you can... Follow me at POTUS. I do all the tweets on that account at POTUS. That's the at symbol and then P-O-T-U-S. Every se- everything you see written there is me. Um, the last guy that was my boss, uh, he was a little handsy, but, uh, you know, they got him out of there. Uh, you guys got him out of there. Now we got this new guy. He's more sniffy than he is handsy, but uh a lot easier to deal with um so there you go peace the pot oh thank you for listening matt yeah thanks matt